great to be back on Search the Scriptures again today. So blessed to be able to be here with all of our listeners. We appreciate you so much. We're thankful to hear from many of you, and even in the Omaha area, to meet many of you as you come by and kind of meet us in person and check us out and listen further and study with us further from God's Word. It's a blessing for us to hear from you, to meet you, to talk with you, and we're thankful to have that blessing. We also encourage you, wherever you might be listening to search the scriptures, that we encourage you to pay attention to the very principle upon which this program is established and based. Bottom line, we want to bring God glory by teaching his word accurately and effectively. But also within that goal, we want to help you come closer to God and ultimately come to him all the way for salvation. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And we want to teach you God's word. We try to do it in depth and in detail, but at the same time we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your everyday life. We want to help you learn so that your faith can develop and grow stronger. And ultimately, based upon that growing faith, help you come closer to God and eventually come to him all the way, his way, through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior and his Son. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. Coming up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, having been immersed in it, completely buried in that water as the imagery is portrayed in Romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 5 coming up out of that water reborn spiritually forgiven of your sins in Christ redeemed saved and beginning to walk a brand new life in Christ our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you at the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll tell you how you can contact us and receive a free Bible study that we always offer. We send it all across the country, and we'd love to send it to you. It is always free, absolutely free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is contact us and ask for it. You can also receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures for free. We'll Put them on a CD, we'll send them to you, and again, we'll take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and at the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can take advantage of these opportunities. We're going to continue in this study that we have been going through for the last several programs, talking about dedication to God, and the emphasis that this particular study is making is that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Not just that we think we're dedicated or claim to be dedicated or feel like we're dedicated, but that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We spent a good deal of time going back and looking at a case wherein David, king of Israel, learned this principle. He learned this lesson the hard way. A man ended up dying because he, and apparently pretty much everybody else, had forgotten 
how God wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be transported. And when David finally learned his mistake, then he gave instruction to the Levites as to how they were supposed to transport the Ark of the Covenant. And that, that manner in which it was supposed to be transported was taught to them in God's word, the law of Moses of that time. Now, they had apparently forgotten that particular instruction. As I've emphasized, when you get away from God's word, you forget God's word. Apparently, they had forgotten that particular part of it. And so David gave them instruction when he learned his mistake, and he told them what they needed to do. And they did it, and then everything went well. Well, that's the principle. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. You can read that account yourself, by the way, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, also 1 Samuel chapter 7, and 2 Samuel chapter 6. You can read a parallel account in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Now, having learned the principle, and, and as I emphasized, this principle flies in the face of predominant denominational thought today. People generally think with the denominational mindset that how we dedicate ourselves to God really is incidental or secondary at least. It's just that we're dedicated to God. We need to feel dedicated to God. We need to think we're dedicated to God. We need to believe we're dedicated to God. But the how doesn't really matter that much. Well, David learned the error of that particular belief. He learned it the hard way. And again, a man died in the process. His name was Uzzah. Having learned the principle that how we dedicate ourselves to God is probably just as important as whether we are dedicated to God, we began to look at a specific application. And one of the, one of the foremost applications that we need to, to make of this, of this principle is in the area of doctrine, what we believe, what we teach, what we practice. The word doctrine simply means teaching. And so we began to look at numerous passages, both from the Old Testament, but primarily from the New Testament, that emphasize that God wants us to follow sound doctrine. And sound doctrine simply means true doctrine or correct doctrine. We saw the phrase, the faithful word, same thing. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, we read this. Then the scribes and Pharisees, and this would have been during Jesus' public ministry, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Well, the Pharisees had come up with a whole host 
of kind of extra, extra beliefs and teachings that became to them binding in their mind. You had to do these things. They weren't necessarily in God's word, but they were applications or interpretations or maybe additions to what God's word actually taught that they came up with, made up, so to speak, and then tried to bind upon the people as being absolutely important, essential. And so here they observe that the disciples of Jesus are eating without having washed their hands first. And they're taking Jesus to task over this. Why do your, trans why do your disciples transgress? But now it doesn't say the word of God. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He, that is Jesus, answered and said to them, Why do you also, now he's turning it right back on the scribes and Pharisees, why do you also transgress, and he doesn't say the traditions, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Oh, they had come up with a tradition that they had substituted for a commandment from God. Now let me tell you something, a little bit of an aside here. When you talk about the commandments of God, a whole lot of people, they instantly focus on what's called the Ten Commandments. Now, those were given under the law of Moses. And at least nine of them, at least in principle, are in the New Testament as well. Part of New Testament Christianity, at least in principle. But there are a whole lot of other commandments that were given by God. One should not focus just upon those and think they've got all the commandments of God covered. Notice what Jesus goes on and says. He makes application here. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So you've substituted your tradition for God's commandment. What is that commandment? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your traditions. Hypocrites, he says to them. You're hypocrites. Now part of honoring their father and their mother, Jesus is saying here, was to take care of them. I think we're probably to understand in their old age or when they get to the point where they can't take care of themselves completely. And he says, but you've, you've substituted your tradition for God's commandment. God's commandment says honor them. And Jesus makes the application that apparently that means you take care of them when they need your help. But you have decided, you have come up with a tradition that says, well, you know, mom, dad, 
whatever money we were going to spend on your care, uh, we're going to give that to God. We're going to make a contribution to the temple or whatever it might be. And we're going to give it to God. And so, therefore, we don't need to spend that money on you. Jesus says, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And then he calls them hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they talk a good dedication, but their actions are something different. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, he says. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Whenever we change God's word, it's no longer God's word. It's man's doctrine then. Whenever we decide that God's word does not apply, where we think we need to upgrade it, update it, then it's no longer God's word. We have substituted our word for God's word. And that's what Jesus is, is condemning here on the part of the scribes and Pharisees. You have made up a new law, basically, he's telling them. It's your tradition. And your tradition supersedes, in your mind, God's commandment. In Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, the Apostle Paul wrote along this line to the churches of Galatia. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now that's a very direct statement and warning by the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm amazed that so soon after becoming Christians, you are turning to a different gospel. And then quickly he says, which is not another gospel. Because you see, again, there's only one true gospel. And when we change the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. It's our teaching then. But it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ any longer. We've substituted our doctrine for his doctrine. And he, Paul talks about people who pervert or twist the gospel. And then he warns, even if an angel from heaven, not suggesting that that would happen, but here's even the extreme possibility, even if an angel from heaven came and taught you a different gospel than what we have already preached to you, what we can find in God's word. Paul says, let him be accursed. Now that's how important it is to make sure that we stay true to the teachings of God's word. 
Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Not you shall know something or not you should have a feeling or not you think, but he says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth is narrow. Truth is not something that is broad to be applied however we want it to be applied. Truth is narrow. That's why it's truth. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus prayed to the Father, and he prayed, among a number of other things in that particular text, in verse 17 of John chapter 17, he said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus identified what truth he's talking about or what is the source of truth from his perspective. In that prayer, and he said, praying to the Father, your word, Father, is truth. Your word is truth. So the truth will make you free. God's word, the truth of God's word, truly God's word, not something that some people call God's word, but they've twisted it out of proportion and out of shape, not something that they've substituted for God's word, not something that they've decided that they've updated to be better than what God's word says, but what is truly God's word. The truth shall make you free. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, toward the close of that particular magnificent and fascinating book from God's word, we read this. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. It does not take a rocket scientist or a PhD to understand the warning in those two verses of scripture. You do not mess with God's word. You do not tamper with it. You do not try to adjust it. You do not change it. You accept it and follow it as it is. And the warning is that if you add anything to it, some people, they think they've got to try to make it more relevant to the times, then God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And some people will try to take some things away from it, saying, you know, well, you know, that was old-fashioned stuff. We don't think that way any longer. God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. In other words, the warning is that person won't be in heaven. We're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. We're not knowledgeable enough 
And we certainly are, do not have the authority to change God's word. I actually had a denominational fellow tell me one time that, well, yeah, that applies to that particular book from God's word. I was amazed. He did not, indi he, his indication was that doesn't apply to all the Bible. Well, you see, he was coming from a particular denomination that had their own book that they considered as authoritative as God's word. So they had to get away, they had to get away from what this obviously says. And they said, well, you know, you can't add anything to the book of Revelation. Now you talk about <laughs> mental gymnastics trying to excuse your false position on something. But this is not the only place in God's word where we're given this warning. It's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, and Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 32, and Proverbs chapter 30 and verses 5 and 6. And as we've already seen, in Matthew chapter 15 and verses 1 through 9, and Galatians chapter 1 and verses 6 through 8. The same principle is found in every one of those texts. Now, do that, does that mean that we better not change the book of Deuteronomy? That we better not change the book of Proverbs? That we better not change the book of Matthew? that we better not change the book of Galatians, that we better not change the book of Revelation, but all the rest of them we can tinker with any way we want to. <laughs> I think you can see the absurdity of that particular position. God's word warns us. God has given us his word the way he wants us to have it. And we had better not try to change it in any way. When we do, it ceases to be God's word. We'll look at a second application of this principle. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important in our next program. Be sure to be ready to be with us in that time so we can study further together this vital principle from God's Word. Now, in just a minute, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can receive that free Bible study that we always offer. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again, for free. And we'll take care of the postage for either and both of those particular requests. This can change your life for eternity. Take advantage of it, won't you?